Hey, 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 black women. This is Jackie O. And thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning into my podcast. My name is Jackie O. And I am a full time slow traveler. I travel the world full time as a digital nomad with my little baby girl, Baby Ruth, who is almost a year old. And my passion is inspiring other black women to move abroad, travel full time, live free and thrive. I am so, so excited to share the stories of other black women like myself who have found life of their dreams in other countries across the world. So stay tuned, hear our stories, get tips and advice, and more importantly, be inspired to make action and change your own life. Hello, 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 everybody. I am discussing or chatting it up this morning with a absolutely and utterly phenomenal woman. I am so happy and excited that she decided to be on my podcast. Welcome, Taylor. Hey, girl, hey. Hey, girl, hey. Thanks for having me on your podcast. I'm so excited, too. I'm so excited. So first of all, tell my audience a little bit about yourself. Like, you are my, like, phenomenal soror slash thumb and sister doing the most in South Africa. So just tell us a little bit about your background. Okay, sure. Well, uh, my name is Taylor Fryer. I'm from Oakland, California. Oakland, born in- <laughs> <laughs> You'll find that people from Oakland will always say specifically we're from Oakland. So everybody knows we're a very proud bunch. Um, but yeah, so I'm from the Bay Area, um, was born and raised there, um, and stayed there until I went to college. I'm a proud Spelman alum. Um, and funnily enough, we didn't meet while we were at Spelman. We met after. But, um, you know, if you went to Spelman, that's all you really that need. The sisterhood's real. The sisterhood's real. The sisterhood is the strongest. Um, so after I graduated from Spelman, um, my degree was in international studies. And I knew very early on, even when I started at Spelman, that my passion was travel and wanting to understand cultures and getting the opportunity to connect with others that lead lives that are, you know, different from mine. So ironically, when I started at Spelman, the international studies degree had just begun. So I knew immediately that that's what I wanted to do. Uh, And so naturally my parents were like, what are you doing? Like, I have no idea what that is. How are you going to get a job with that? This is a terrible idea. Why don't you study economics? And I was like... Because I think other people have had parents who've had the same reaction. So give other sisters, like, out there advice on just navigating all that. If you know international is what you want to do, like, how how did you have those conversations? Well, I, I feel like one thing that... I did have early was discernment about it. And I understood the value of of a a global education. That started quite early with me. I started traveling abroad 
uh, at an early age, when I was 13, my grandpa took me to Paris for the first time. And he was a true oh, Francophile. He went to Paris grandparents. for 30 years. Wow. So he, he was just a true, true Francophile. And it was very important to him to take his loved ones there to see it. And um, crazily enough, he had a quadruple bypass surgery on his heart and six weeks later took my sister and I to see Paris. So that's how important it was for him for us to see it. And somehow I got the feeling that he knew that there was an influence that might come from taking me there. Um, I have to believe that. So by the time that I, I got to the age where I wanted to pick a degree, I could at least share with my parents the value that I knew thus far and having a global education and being global. But I have to say it was, they were very skeptical up until the day that I got a job. <laughs> so I was, say, go with your gut. It's, I think to make the case is a lot easier now that we see, um, mm -hmm. you know, that area of study blooming Absolutely. and versioning. And I don't think it's a hard, um, argument to make now as it was when I was doing it. But my best advice is to go with your gut. And also, if you have the opportunity, find people who have the lives that mm -hmm. like appeal to you and ask them questions about how they did it. There is more than one way to, to find success in your life. But if you do have someone that um, is, are doing great things that you enjoy and could see yourself doing, reach out to them. Don't be afraid to reach out to them. Ask them questions about how they did it. You know, such good advice. Like, such good yeah. advice. Close mouths don't get fed, girl. You got to ask. <laughs> Absolutely. So ironically, when I graduated from school, that was the height of the, re the recession in America. It was 2010. So that was a really difficult time, um, particularly for my family. Both of my parents were in the real estate market, which collapsed at that time. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty critical that I get a job. Um, and a lot of people weren't getting jobs when I graduated. So luckily, because Spelman is so amazing, they had a college fair and um, two things happened. I went to the college, actually, sorry, before that even happened, the college fair came to Spelman, but the day before, it came to Morehouse College first. So for those of you who know, Morehouse College is the all-men school next door to Spelman. And I saw that Google was going to be there. And I saw that they were also going to come to Spelman. But I said to myself, why would I wait for a big company like Google to come to Spelman College where there are a bunch of wonderful, uh, incredibly educated, articulated Black women who are going to crowd around that table. So I went to Morehouse's college fair the day before, and I was the only woman in the room. And that was a grand man <laughs> because I walked right up to the table. I told them about myself. I handed them my resume. I walked yes, away. Girl, yes. And the recruiter came to get me from across the room. And by the time I uh, showed up to the table at Spelman, they already knew who I was. And all the girls were like, how did you know her? 
her. <laughs> anyway, long that. story short, I ended up with um, an internship that summer on Wall Street uh, in a global market sector on a sales and trading floor. Uh, again, keyword here, global markets. People ask me um, how I did that when I don't have a background in finance. And I told them that it was because of my international studies degree. Mm -hmm. It was because I told them the value of having um, a spherical education. And they said that'd be perfect for a sales and trading floor. You'll be a global markets intern. Amazing. So I ended up in New York that summer on Wall wow. Street, gallivanting uh -huh. right after I graduated. Almost. And then I um, moved back to California and started working at Google. Um, let's see. I worked well there for three and so like, though, can you tell us how, how did you get to South Africa though? Google's so exciting. It's an international company, but you walked away from all that to go to South Africa? Not exactly. Okay. So one thing that I knew when I started working in corporate America was that that's not exactly where I wanted to end up. But I did know that I wanted to make and save some money. And I also knew that to get the jobs that I was really interested in, I'd probably have to have a master's degree. So the three years I worked at Google were by way of design so that I could save the money to move abroad to um, get a master's degree. So when I left California, I knew I wasn't coming back. And my first stop was actually London. <gasps> All right, girl, you got to keep, you can't like just leave us on that one. You got to tell us some more about London, London town. Okay, well, London is one of my favorite cities in the entire world. And um, just from a financial perspective, because I knew that I wanted to get a master's degree and not have any student debt, um, getting a degree in Europe is really helpful because you can do it in one year instead of two. So even though you spend more money because of the cost of living in London, London's so expensive, but you save money because you get a degree in one year instead of two. So I went to London, fell in love with that city, made some of the best friends in the world. Um, and it was my first step in this living abroad life that I've had for almost eight years now. So um, yeah, I, long story short, I got my master's degree in international development. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and ooh, it, it was not easy to come by, I will tell you. Getting a degree in one year instead of two means that you're learning so much information, you're taking in so much, you're doing so much studying. And also the difference in British academia and American academia is quite big. So it was a huge learning curve. Um, can you tell us a little bit about like those differences? If somebody did want to go to school in the UK, what can they expect to be different from, let's say, going to school in the US? Hmm. Well, one one thing that I found different was the the grading schemes. So obviously, the way that they grade is different. It's not like a letter system; it's a number system, and the number scale is different. It's not like out of a hundred percent. Um, if you get a 70, for example, that's like getting an A. So you have to oh, learn that, you have to adapt to that. Another thing that's huge is writing exams. So it will vary from program to program, but for my program, um, your grades are based off of the essays that you write for the class at the end of the semester. So very little 
weight is given to what you do in the class, maybe a little bit. Oh, like, wow, that is very different from what U.S. students are used to. Exactly. So if you aren't good at writing essays, you better get good at writing essays because everything is weighing on that essay. Um, and yeah, you, you literally theoretically could go to no classes and get an A in the class if you do a great essay. I think that would be impossible, but everything's weighing on that essay. So um, I was not used to studying in that way, where literally we, we called it essay season. When essay season would come around, that was literally six weeks to three months in a library every day, writing, writing, writing to get it right. Wow. Wow. So to my, I guess my audience, if you were to give tips for anybody who wanted to move to the UK, study abroad in the UK, what would be your advice to prepare for that? Financially, you want to be ready. Uh, the UK is incredibly expensive. It's a lot more expensive than the most um, affluent areas in the States. The Bay Area is one of the most expensive places in the United States, and it was nothing compared to London. Wow. Um, so you want to make a plan for yourself financially if you're planning to be there. Um, it depends on the reasons that you want to move as well. Like for me, it wasn't so hard to to go because I had a, a visa for school. But I would say that uh, if you want to get a visa to move to the UK and you're not going for school and you want to work there, those are a lot harder to come by. And your best bet is to move through a relationship you already have with a business. Meaning if you are working for a company that is global and they do have offices in the UK, it would be a great opportunity to look at moving through them because they already have an HR system that could help you with that. Um, a visa sponsorship in the UK costs about 4,000 pounds. So that's like 6,000 US dollars. Uh, so unless you just have that money for a visa, um, <laughs> which most people <laughs> don't or aren't willing to um, you know, pay, then you've got to go through a company. Okay, thank you. That is such, such, such good advice. And then just another thing to, especially people thinking they want to move abroad or live for a while in a big city like London, you came from Oakland, so that's a relatively big city as well. But for somebody coming from an Ohio, like the Midwest, like what do they expect when they go into a big international cosmopolitan city? I think it has a lot to do with mindset. You know, we live in such a global world now that you, you at least will know what it looks like if you just want to Google it. But nothing can prepare you for actually being in a place. So what I'd say is go with an open mind and an open heart. So for me, for example, when I uh, was transitioning from working in corporate to moving to London, I didn't go straight from California to London. Instead, what I did was I quit my job. I spent two weeks doing a California bucket list, which is all the things that I never got around to doing in California that I wanted to check out. Like, um, <laughs> 
like doing Highway 1, for example, um, driving in a rental car down the coast. Um, I love it. I love it. In the Pacific Ocean. I did, I did a breast cancer walk. I got around to doing all these things um, to wind down and kind of close out mentally from working in corporate because it will wind you up. I mean, yep. working for years in corporate will wind you up. And then after that, I went to Bali for three weeks. And I felt like this was a necessary decision on my part to enter this new phase in my life with an open mind and heart. Because had I just gone from one to other, I wouldn't have been as, as open as I wanted to be. So my, my advice is to prepare yourself mentally for what's about to happen and um, go into it with enthusiasm. Oh, I love it. I absolutely, absolutely love it. Okay. Okay. So let's get to, to South Africa because I know there are especially so many African-Americans who want to return to Africa, some part of Africa. I know a lot of people want to go to Ghana, but there are just as many people who want to some kind of way, figure out how to get to South Africa and make a way yeah. for themselves. So can Should I explain to you how I actually got here? <laughs> so, so explain to us your journey. Like people are, okay. like, you know, the continent of Africa, so many people want to be there. Yeah. So randomly, I never actually planned to be in South Africa. <laughs> I was in Serbia, um, which is a whole other story, but I was living in Serbia um, through Serbian winter, coldest I've ever been. Oh, I'm still following my experience. No. And but you like Serbia, it. right? You like Serbia. Oh, I loved it. Okay. I had a fabulous Okay. True adventure. Okay. Um, but yeah, what happened was I got a Skype call from one of my girlfriends who I had met um, in Vietnam. So after London, I moved to Vietnam for a year, which is another story, but it is something that happened. And while I was there, I met a young lady uh, who was from South Africa. She was teaching English in Vietnam and had lived there a couple years. And we became very close friends. And as I continued on my traveling journeys, she ended up going back home to South Africa eventually. So I speak to her maybe once a month. And on this particular Skype call, um, she told me that she was pregnant. And I was like, oh, wonderful. This is great. She asked me to be her baby's godmother. Oh, wow. That's and huge. I was so honored. I, I was, you know, a puddle of tears. I was so happy. And she asked me if I would come to South Africa to help her through the birth of her child. So there I was in wow, Serbia. What a blessing. Wow. And right when my visa was about to end, I hopped on a plane and came all the way down here to be with my friend. Now, mind you, I thought that that was going to be, I thought that this was gonna be two months max, you know, cause she was already nine months pregnant. Um, but two months has turned more than three years. So there were so many things about the country that I just fell in love with immediately. And it just made it, so easy to see myself making a home here. So yeah, I started in Johannesburg, which is where she was. Um, and I lived in Joburg for my first year. And then I came to Cape Town for a jazz festival with some of my girlfriends. And I landed here. I looked around. 
And I said, oh, this is my home. This is where I'll be. And I moved a couple months later. So Taylor, just in terms of, I guess, open-mindedness, like you've gone to all these different places and you've been so open to just change. And what do you account for that? And how do you, how, what advice do you give to other people to kind of cultivate that sense of like openness? Cause you were just willing to try it. And then you said like you were in Joburg, you were comfortable there, I would assume. And then you went to Cape Town and you were feeling it and you said, this is where I'm going to be. And that seems to come natural to you, but it doesn't come natural to other people. So what advice could you give them? Okay. Well, I have two pieces of advice that have guided me very well. People ask me a lot about like, well, how did you choose this place? How did you end up in that place? And my answer is I patiently wait for the universe to speak mm-hmm. and an opportunity to present itself. And by that, I mean, there are, there's an infinite amount of places that you can be in the world. And you can choose to go to any of them within reason. But I usually go to places for a reason, either on a mission or because I was invited or there's usually something that happens that makes it very clear to me that that is my next step. So my my advice to those who who might have some apprehension there is to be patient and listen carefully to that. Um, because I, I promise you that if you are patient and you listen carefully, there are opportunities that will bring you to different places and you'll know when it feels right. Um, oh, the, other, the other piece of advice I guess I would have is like, be willing. The whole experience of living abroad is putting yourself into a willing place. Um, It's easy for me because I've been doing it for a long time. But uh, for example, I have a very good friend. Her name is Dominique Collins. And she had never, um, she had never been outside the United States. And she came to see me in Cape Town. So I was very honored to um, host her here because it's always nice when a friend comes to see you, but it also was an honor to host a friend who had never been abroad before in a place that I'm calling home, right? Absolutely. And one thing that I appreciated about her is even though she'd never been abroad and she, like when you come abroad, everything's new, everything's different. Um, there might have even been moments of discomfort, but she was willing to be and do and try. So, and that makes the difference in any abroad experience or I mean, frankly, life experience that you're going to have. Are you scared? Maybe. But if you reach for some courage and you're willing, have a willing attitude, magic can happen. So that would be my advice too, you know, be be willing. Not, not I mean, you might not be open, but are you, are you willing? Because willingness can change can change an entire experience. Yes, 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 yes. I am definitely a testimony to that. I got my hands up in the air like I'm in church because <laughs> you, you are preaching. Like the willingness. <laughs> it just matters so much. 
Yeah, you got to be willing. Otherwise, stay home because I think you'll be wasting your money and <laughs> you, you won't have nearly ex the experience that you could have if you, you're willing to push through and be willing. Yeah, so let's, so, yeah, thank you so much for that, Jim. So let's just get into some of like the nitty gritty of what is it like to live in South Africa? What is Cape Town like? Like, what is your day-to-day -day life like? Hmm. Well, first of all, I love living in Cape Town. I just love it here. It ticks all of my boxes. And I think up until the time I moved here, I would say that I was a woman looking for a city to fall in love with. Um, I'd fall in love with cities in the past, but not like Cape Town. So um, some of the things that I always knew that I wanted in a city I was going to be in for a while was one, a city that was by water. I'm from a city on water. Mm -hmm. So if, I, if I'm not by it, it's okay, but I'm not trying to stay for that long. So yep, that was important. Um, access to green space is really important to me. And um, Cape Town, if you've ever seen photos of it, it is such a green city. There are mountains and trees and the beaches are gorgeous. And it's just um, the most picturesque city I've been to. And you can go to the beach every day if you want. Um, walking infrastructure is also huge to me. One of the reasons why Joburg wasn't a city I wanted to live in for too long was I didn't feel like I had enough choices in terms of the transportation. And that goes hand in hand with security. Yep. So for me, as a, as a solo Black female traveler, I feel like security always has to be number one, mm -hmm. always has to be number one priority because you are the one who's responsible for you at the end of the day, getting yourself in and out of situations. It really comes down to you. So if we're in a room and something happens in that room, you want to have the, the option of being able to walk out of the room onto the street and you're gone. Yep. And I've found that cities like Joburg and other cities as well, don't necessarily have that walking infrastructure where you can be gone. Yep. Cape Town does have the walking infrastructure. So it offers just more variety in how I can move the fluidity of, of how I can move around. And I just, I love that. Um, and then people is always going to be important. One thing I will say about South Africa is living in Johannesburg first for a year was a huge it was life-changing for me because the people are some of the dopest in the world, um, intellectually, the Afro-intellectualism. I just, I feel like I, I had some of the best conversations of my life mm -hmm. in Joburg. Um, and it was also my first time living as a black majority. So as African-American people, I think that there is a lot of, camaraderie between South Africa and the United States because we really do have quite similar histories mm -hmm. when it comes to race. Yep. You know, apartheid is quite fresh in South Africa. It ended less than 30 years ago. 
and so are willing to talk about race, but it's front and center in conversations. Um, and I think African American people can really relate to it, and and we feed off of it. We we want to have those conversations, and and also just being a black majority for the first time in my life, I could feel myself sitting up higher in my chair. Mm -hmm. It's amazing, this sense of power. It's amazing, this sense of community and purpose. And the diversity within our race is amazing. Amen. You come here and you just see every kind of Black person. And funnily enough, you, you see people that look like people that you know. And you want to stop them on the street and be like, excuse me. Um, <laughs> don't do that, girl. Hi, <laughs> I have a friend that looks like you. They obviously don't care, but um, it's like, it, it, it's an amazing feeling to be amongst your people. The first thing that uh, was said to me when I arrived in South Africa, it was a guy who was um, helping me, me with my bags. He said, welcome home, sister. I almost cried, truly. I, I almost cried. Um, now that I live here, uh, I know that that is said a lot mm -hmm. and everybody calls each other my brother and my sister. Mm -hmm. But I found it so endearing, especially to come from a country where you don't necessarily always feel at home, yep. to come to a place where they, it's like they've been expecting you. Oh, wow. That is so, so, so beautiful. All right, my dear, we are starting to run out of time. I could literally talk to you. Oh, I mean, it's morning for me. I know it's afternoon for you. But like, if you, <laughs> my, if you could give my listenership one last piece of advice, because my podcast truly does cater to African-American women who are ready to be out, who are ready to be deuces, who want to either travel full time or move abroad and just find that perfect location and spend the rest of their days like living like the life. Not that it's without, not without challenges, but they just are just mm -hmm. so willing and open, as you said, to just making it happen. Yeah. If I could give one piece of advice to women who are, who are ready to do it, because you, you have to be ready. Mm -hmm. I think that's important that you, you are confident in the decision to move abroad and also um, you have that discernment because mind you, there are gonna be a lot of people who are questioning you and trying to talk you out of it. There's always gonna be that, even when it's coming from a loving place. So I guess the first thing I'd say is make up your mind and have discernment in what you're doing. Um, and make a plan. Um, making a plan, I think, is, is pretty critical depending on where you want to go because I can tell you stories and stories about how my failure to plan uh, <laughs> put me in some pickles. <laughs> and so I would say, uh, do your research on where you want to go. Very simple things like, what are the customs like? Are there any, um, you know, big differences in the law there? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I know what I want to say. My biggest piece of advice 
is to share your vision with others. If you share your, your vision with others and they have discernment, you and you have discernment about it, meaning you're not gonna get your mind changed by anyone, you will find that there's a shocking community of people who want to help you yes, and are cheering you on. Absolutely. If you actually succeed in moving abroad, know that as a black woman living abroad, you are one of the few who had the courage and the means to do it. And there are others who wish they could, but are willing to do anything to help you. And your story is their story. They wish that they could have that story. Oh, you just gave so, me chills. <laughs> it's so true. So I, I think that you'll, you'll be pleasantly surprised that the world is on your side. So share that story, share your vision, and manifest for yourself. Because it, it is not out of reach to do this. Anyone can do this. It's again that keyword I talked about earlier, be willing to do it. Yes, sis, yes, yes, yes. Thank yes, you. Yes, and go for it. <laughs> Taylor, I'm so like I I as people who know me know I start every each and every day with like gratitude. And I actually physically write down the things that I'm grateful for for that day. And I just want to say that you are number one on the list this morning. Like I so, so, so appreciate you taking the time to, one, just chat with me, because you know I love chatting with you, but then two, just being so open and honest and real with people about what it's like to make this, this journey and this lifestyle choice, because it truly is like, it's not for everybody, for sure, but if you definitely just have that willingness, then you can make it happen. I particularly think us as like Black women, like what can't we do? Like. <laughs> Absolutely. There, there is no limit to what we can do. It's just sometimes reaching for courage to do. Yep. Everyone can do this. Yeah. And I think that that last gem that you gave to us, which is that there is like once you have your vision and you know what you want to do and you just start speaking it, there are so many people out there who, even if it isn't their vision, even if it isn't something they ever thought possible, they are cheering you on and wanting to see you succeed. And once you find that community, it's such like just a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. I have to tell you, for me, I'm 31 years old and I've been doing this for almost a decade. I think I'll have a big party once it's a decade. But I have found that there are two types of women I generally um, come across when I share my story of traveling. There's one group that are maybe a little bit more conservative and, tra conservative and traditional, and they can't understand why I would do this. You know, when you're going to settle down, when you're going to have these babies, like what's up? But that's about 10%. The other 90 are women who have children, who have families, who all different kinds of women from all walks of life. And they are just rooting for you. They're just like, this is amazing. I can't wait to see what you got to see or send me your photos. The women I've met who have been cheering me on, some of them have just become lifelong friends and, and they're amazed by, by this decision that I've decided to make. And I'm just here to tell you that it can be done 
you can do it and by default feel like world, the world is on your side because you will find that community that will support you. Well, again, Taylor, I am just so appreciative that you took the time out of your day to chat with my listenership and just spread those words of wisdom. I definitely will have you back on my show again, Sister Girlfriend, because there is so much more of your life that we got to delve into. And I'm sure I will get a whole bunch of questions on social media. But just know that I love you, girlfriend. I am cheering you on. I am rooting for you. I am part of that team of people who will forever be loving you. For, from afar and from up close and like want nothing but the best for you because you inspire me each and every day. I love hearing what's going on with you. We definitely got to just have some chats offline and just yes. connect because you are an amazing person. You inspire me every day. I know you're going to inspire people listening to this podcast and just keep doing what you're doing, sister, because you rock. Thank you, sis. You rock too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of the Jackie O Life Travel Adventures. Stay tuned for an upcoming episode. And if you want more information, please reach out to me at www.thejackieolife.com. I love connecting and please don't forget to follow me on Instagram at thejackieolife. Take care everybody until the next episode. Bye-bye.